The book of Genesis tells us, and I'm going to take uh, two weeks on this, not straight. I mean, we'll break here in an hour and come back, but um, it talks about that there is time and we're in a dimension of time. And one day there will be no more time and we'll just be in eternity. And God preceded time and, and he's in time, but he's also outside of, of time. But time is divided up in day and night and and into weeks and into years. And, and the scripture is clear on this too. It says, and in seasons. And so here we are coming upon another season of life. And we do well to pay attention to seasons. We do well to pay attention. That The Bible even talks about how we end a day and how we start a day. And, and so I think it's very important that as we enter into this new year that we're mindful of a few things. That this is a new season. That this is a fresh start. That, that we get a do-over, we get another try, we get a mulligan, uh, and that we can go on and try again. And God is a God of second chances and third chances and chances and chances, chances. How many of you are glad for that? And, and we have before us challenges, but we have chances, and we have God with us to help us. Let me remind you of the principle we've talked about uh, numerous times over the years, the principle of entering and leaving. The how you leave affects how you enter. So whatever kind of year that you had, let's enter appropriately. And if we're going to enter this new year appropriately, we have to leave this year appropriately. So let's gather ourselves. Let's get ourselves focused and resolved. Do not, if you had a, a, as Lee said, if you had one of the worst years of your life, let's do not leave this year defeated. Let's don't leave this year downcast and cynical or discouraged. You know, let's, let's, let's enter this year. And, and I'm going to do a message today and next Sunday called Begin Again. Begin Again. And then I'm going to go into a, a series called Home. And we're going to talk about this. And believers, this is important. This world is not our home. Amen. And when you get that confused, then certain things are too important here. And we're not looking in the right places. And so then you're going to be forfeiting some things that are from above for us here and so forth. And we'll get into that. That's that's a message for another time. But I want all of us to believe for and approach right to have a better year. I want to say it again. Up with better. Amen. Um, when you begin again, that means you've done this before. And we've had New Year's, you know, before. And every time you begin again, especially important things, there are reminders, there are instructions, there are warnings, there are encouragements that go with it. Speaking of that, uh, one of the things I got for Christmas, I got a new robe. And that's very important to me. Uh, I get up early every morning and, and I spend time with the Lord. Actually, it's not just the Lord. It's, it's me, it's Jesus, and Earl Grey. But... Um, but I put my robe on and get my tea ready. And it's just, I, I just cherish, you know, that time every morning. And this morning I got up and I was going into the kitchen and I, I heard something in my robe, just like a crinkling something, you know, like, what's the deal on that? So I opened my robe and these, these tags were in there. So I, I cut them out because I didn't want the crinkling. I just didn't want to, they're invading. So... I looked and it, you know, it tells what it's made of and how to take care of it. And, 
and all those things. And then there's one tag in the front and it said this, keep away from fire. And I said, I will. I will. That, that was actually a goal of mine before I even saw the tag. But I think things come with instructions and warnings and reminders so that we can maximize the good and we can minimize the bad. But when we begin again, we're going to do something that we've done before. A, a pilot, an, an uh, airplane pilot, though he may have... 100,000 hours of, of time in the air. He's still before every flight. He's going to begin again. He's going to do that pre-flight checklist and go over everything. It, it, it cannot be left to assumption. When you ride on a roller coaster at an amusement park, they're going to give you certain warnings. Make sure you do this. Make sure the, the restraint is on you just right. Pull up on this. Is your belt on? Uh, take off your hat. Keep your arms inside the the cart at all time. Yeah, right. And then um, we did we did something uh, a month or two ago. We went zip lining, and I'm not advertising, but we got a zip line place here. Y'all, you got to go. You, this is just incredible. And um, so we went, our whole family went and we just had such a good time with it. But you know what, before we could just go zip, we had to stand there and they had to tell us stuff and put our safety harnesses on. And they told us things and do this. And they said, don't do this and always do this and never do that. And if you do this, we'll kick you out. I mean, it was all these things. And I plan on going back. It was a blast. I mean, serious, y'all need to go, but I plan on going back and um, when I go back, I can't just go, hey, I, I've done it before. They'll go, good, welcome back. Stand in the line. Learn the stuff. Because it's to minimize what could go wrong is to maximize what is supposed to go right. And so as we begin again today, I want to share with you something that is just bedrock for us that we've got to have a hold of um, as we enter this new year. As we begin again, it is important that we look at the subject of faith. Everybody say faith. faith. And the type of faith, the brand of faith that I want us to, to look at today, and we have looked at this before. That's why I'm calling it Begin Again. You say, oh, I know about faith. Yeah, well, hang on. I'm glad you do because we're going to lo- learn a little bit more about it. And as we begin again, guess what? We're going to go over some things that I think are absolutely vital for us. The brand of faith that we're talking about is called Through Faith through faith. What do you figure that kind of faith does? It gets you, it gets you through. How many of you faith has gotten you through some things before? Let let me just throw this in real quick. How many of you know that at times it wasn't your faith? It was just the mercy of a good God, but God didn't call us to live by mercy. He called us to live and to walk by faith. Mercy's his to give, but he said, where I want you to stand, where I want you to posture and position yourself is I want you to be a person of faith. I want you to be a person that trusts me and obeys me and follows me in that way. So we're going to look at some things concerning faith. It's one of the most important things you can have, and it's certainly something that you have to guard, as we'll see today. Let's read a few verses concerning faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21 He, Abraham, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being, and here's the definition, being fully convinced. Everybody say fully convinced. 
fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was also able to perform. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then in 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5. Watch this one carefully. It says, for whatever is born of God does what? Overcomes what? Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has, and here's that word again, overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. Say it again. What is it? It's our faith. So this is the victory that has overcome the world. What? Our faith. How many of you are interested in overcoming whatever the world has to offer this, this year? No, 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 no. That's really weak. How many of you are interested in, in overcoming this year? Okay, because if you're going to have a better year, you know, they're not just going to call you up and say, hey, you win stuff and you're this and blah, blah, blah. It's not just going to happen automatically. You're going to have to position yourself and grab hold of the faith that God would want you to, to be operating in this year. It says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes, and this is the bottom line, he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That's the beginning point right there. Now, faith is a persuasion. It's fully convinced. It's a confidence. It causes you to trust God and obey God. Faith is a formula. Uh, Excuse me. Faith is not a formula. But faith does have ingredients to it. And I'm not going to go through all of that today. But I just want you to know that it's, it's not just a checklist. Listen to me. If faith is to be powerful, if it's to be powerful, it has to be personal. It can't be my faith or the person sitting next to you, your grandma's faith or this sweet couple that believes God. It can't be their faith. You need to hang around people like that. But you need to have faith. Come on. You need to have faith. If your faith is going to be powerful, it has to be personal. Because, you know, you can't be with everybody all the time. Nobody really knows you fully except God. And what you go through and what you struggle with and what you're going to come upon this year, you had better have a powerful faith. And if it's going to be powerful, it has to be your faith. That you believe God. That, that you trust God. That you know, as we sang and declared this morning, God is with me. I won't take one step by myself. I won't take one step without him being with me, with me and helping me. Amen? Now... So faith is how we overcome. Faith is how we're going to prevail. Faith is how we're going to deal with things that that we can control. And guess what? Things that we can't control. And there's a whole lot in the world right now that we can't control. And yet you waste a whole lot of time thinking and worrying about and talking about. There's a lot of things that we cannot control. What we need to do is get ourselves positioned right and make sure that we have as a main possession in our life, this faith and not just any faith, a brand of faith that is through faith. And we'll explain that a little more as we go. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we find what has been referred to as the hall of faith. And in there, we find people such as Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and so on that did things by faith. It it goes by faith. So-and-so did this. By faith, they subdued nations. By faith, they closed the mouth of lions. By faith, they went to a country that they did not know of. By faith, by faith, by faith, they did all of these things. And what it did, and other translations even say through faith, through faith. Listen, it's through faith. It's by faith that you're going to get through. And I want to get through. I want to get through and I want you to get through. And and that's what we're looking at here today. A brand of faith that we would call through faith. 
Well, probably one of the best illustrations that, that is currently my heart and mind on this, we find in Mark chapter 4. And I want to read this together. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. And this is Jesus' ministry is cooking. Things are happening. It is busy. Multitudes surrounding Jesus, miracles, signs, wonders. He's teaching, preaching, healing, casting out demons. All kinds of things are going on. And if you were on Jesus' team, you knew you were on a winning team. And now they they finish a day and, and we pick up in verse 35 on that same day. When evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along, Jesus along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, sleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? This took place on the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is actually also uh, could be classified as a lake. And it's, it's huge, but it doesn't fall really under the category of sea. It's called the Lake of Gennesaret. It's called the Sea of Galilee. It has numerous names. And a lot of those names had to do with which side you lived on. And Jesus' ministry, this was kind of the epicenter of Jesus' ministry. If you were to follow, you know, trace what Jesus did, most of it was around the Sea of Galilee, around this this huge lake. And for the most part, it was uh, about an eight-mile circumference that everything happened in, in his ministry. And you need to know something about this. Jesus said, hey, guys, we're done over here. We've got to go over to the other side. And uh, so let's go. And Jesus went to sleep in the boat and a storm came up. And you'd say, you know, the son of God that became the son of man should be a little bit better about weather predictions. But Jesus knew of the possibility of storms on these waters. He knew these waters. And you need to know the lay of the land a little bit, just like you need to consider the lay of the land of your life and the lay of the land, so to speak, of 2013. This uh, lake, this sea, at its deepest point was 200 feet. It was 680 feet below sea level. And it's surrounded by mountains on most of the sides, and those mountains are about 2,000 feet above sea level. And they're not just mountains that kind of carved in them every so often are these narrow valleys, these gullies almost that it's almost like erosion has, has caused these that surround the sea. And, and up at 2,000 feet above sea level in this region, it's cold and dry air that would be up there. And down 680 feet below sea level, you've got warm, moist, kind of semi-tropical air that's down here. And heat does what? Heat rises and cold what? Cold falls. And what happened and what can happen, not because of a weather system, but just because the lay of the land sometime, suddenly a storm would come up because that that cold, dry air would kind of cut down into those 
valleys, narrow valleys carved out of the mountains and clash with that warm, moist air that's rising. It creates all kinds of energy. Temperatures can drop 20 to 30 uh, degrees in just minutes. And then all of that energy of everything that's going on, pressure system changes, and that shallow water just absorbs all that energy, and you can get a storm in no time. Does that sound like your life sometimes? Sometimes you feel like you're living way below sea level, and out of nowhere, all of a sudden, almost without warning, here comes a storm into your life, and it's a huge storm. Are you following what I'm saying here today? And Jesus knew, this is important, Jesus knew the possibility He knew the possibility that any time a storm could come. And you need to know this. Listen, and I am not a prophet of doom and gloom at all. I believe we're going to get through this year. But you need to know that of the possibility that storms can come any time into our life. I, I don't like storms. I'm glad when they're over. I hate that they even say for us that we have a hurricane season. As soon as they start that, I go, no. You know, and I, res- I resist it in every way that I can. I don't know if any of us make any difference on that, you know, but, but I am up with better and down with hurricanes. <laughs> and so Jesus knew the possibility of this and then the storm comes up and they went and woke him. Now, I don't know how it played out. I don't know if that, you wake him. No, you wake him. I think in their panic, probably several of them rushed him. And woke him. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But they said this to him. Are y'all with me? I don't want you to miss this. They said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? So they thought that they were what? Perishing. Perishing. The Greek word there means to destroy fully. They thought this is it. We're going to be destroyed fully. In Luke's account of this, they said this. Master, master, we are perishing. They thought we truly are being destroyed fully. And Jesus gets up. You know what he did? He arose. He rebuked the storm, the wind, the source of it. And then he spoke to the waves, peace be still. And then there was a great calm. So we went from great storm to great calm. Aren't you glad that God can do that? And so he takes care of that. And then he turns to his disciples. And they're probably, you know, all disheveled and wet and everything else and panicked and red faced and, and, and everything else. And he looks at him and he asks them two questions. And he says, first of all, why are you so fearful? Now think about this. They're on the winning team. They've seen some stuff, y'all. Is the church here? They've seen some stuff. And and he goes, "Why why are you so fearful? And then he says this. How is it that you have no faith? Now some translations and commentaries kind of take this line and they say, how is it that you still don't have any faith? And I think that's a good question. But then there's other commentaries and translations that kind of take it this direction. I want to go this way today. And they pretty much are saying this. What happened to your faith? Either way, faith was not present. Either way, faith was not engaged. And so what we have is, is we have these guys full of fear. You can look in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and some of the other references that would help. And when we see this word fearful, it even says in the the definition, fearful, and it talks about timid and afraid. And it says implying that they were 
Help me. No, faith, faithless. So let me point this out to you. When you are fearful, you are faithless. You have a spiritual capacity and you can only fill up with so much. And really, you're going to be one or the other here. And so when you're fearful, you're faithless. But here's the good news. But when you're faith, when you're faithful, then you can be, you can be fearless. And you've got to monitor that. I said, you've got to monitor that. You've got to check yourself out. And you know, you know what? I am really fearful about this. Or you know what? I'm ready for this one. You know that you've got to monitor that and you've got to pay attention to it. Now, when Jesus asks, how is it that you have no faith or what happened to your faith? He's noting that faith is not present. Faith is disengaged. I want us to think just for a moment why faith might be disengaged. First of all, let me clean my glasses. On occasion, I spit on my own glasses. All right, now where were we? Um, Let's consider why faith was disengaged. It could be part of it, the fierceness of the storm. I mean, just what they were seeing, what they were feeling, what was happening around them. How many of you know that sometimes the people around you can heighten the whole whatever's going on? How many of you know some people can get really hyper about something? And it was just a spider. You know, and it was just, just a spider. But this storm, so the fierceness of this storm. But I want you to think about this too. The other day, this was, I was praying and just kind of pondering on this. Did you consider that maybe some of these guys were novices? That maybe some of these guys didn't have any sea experience? I mean, what we know of the disciples, uh, you've got Peter and you've got Andrew and you've got James. Those guys were fishermen. But of the rest of them, you got Luke's a doctor and Matthew's a, a tax collector and the other guys were tradesmen. It's actually quite possible that most of the guys had never been out on a boat or had not been out on a boat during such a storm. Let your imagination go for a moment. It's possible that Peter and Andrew and some of those, they're like, will you guys cut it out? Sit down. It's a storm. They may not have been the ones who rushed to wake Jesus. Maybe they went and grabbed buckets and did whatever needed to, you know, start to keep things going because this happened. This still happens there. Storms happen. And, and, and perhaps some of these guys panicked so much and their faith became disengaged because they hadn't experienced something like this before. So when Jesus is asking what happened to your faith, I do not think that Jesus was, was asking them, hey, why didn't you try to use your faith to stop the storm? See, I've heard a lot of sermons on this. You probably have too. And it's like, well, if you have enough faith, you can stop the storm. And listen, yeah, storms can be stopped by faith. We'll talk, we'll talk more about that in a moment. But perhaps, perhaps, and this is what I think, Jesus was not, he was not saying, why didn't you use your faith? to stop this storm, to calm the seas. I don't think that ever even occurred to the disciples. Oh man, I wish I had my faith so I could stop this storm. I don't think stopping the storm was even on their radar because they didn't ask Jesus to stop the storm. They were just panicking and just ran to Jesus. And then when Jesus did stop the storm, the, the scripture says they were amazed. 
They're amazed that he did. They were amazed that he was able. It says they feared exceedingly. Who is this guy that all that could happen? And so I don't think that's really, really the issue. And listen to me on this. Perhaps in faith is not just to stop a storm. How many of you have had faith stop a storm though? Come on, come on, I have. How many of you know that faith can stop a storm? It has, it does, it will. But perhaps, and this is where I want us to go today. Perhaps it's to get you through a storm. Through faith, a brand of faith that gets you through. And I want, I want to caution you regarding faith this morning. Listen, listen to this. Make sure that you have a faith that lasts. See, some people have a faith that lasts as long as there are no problems. Whoa. Some people have faith that lasts only, only as long as there are no problems. Or they have a faith that only lasts if the problem doesn't last too long. Now, listen to me. I'm going to go a little bit deeper here just for a moment. Stay with me. Make sure that your theology, make sure that your theology has enough room to even accept the fact that there are storms. Because sometimes people, their theology is small, which means their God is small. That if a storm comes, here's what they they start to wonder. They start to wonder, well, where is God? I'll tell you when the storm comes, where is God? He's right there in the boat with you. He's with you. He's with you. I think God is trying to get that across to all of us here today. And so make sure your theology is big enough to handle the fact that not only, yeah, in life there are storms, but God's big. But also that your theology can, can handle this, that sometimes storms rock your boat. How many of you got your boat rocked in the last couple of years? Okay. And that doesn't mean God's not around. That doesn't mean God enabled. That's, that's the lay of the land, folks. That's the lay of the land. That's what happens sometimes. And also, you've got to make sure that, that your theology has enough room that if the storm, if the problem should linger a little bit. Man, I thought this would be over by now. I, man, I thought by now this would, be, this would be taken care of. Listen, you've got to know that storms do come. That sometimes storms rock your boat. And sometimes storms last a little longer than you would like them to, to hang, hang around. But you need to know that God is bigger than those storms. And you need to have enough faith in him, a faith that will last and a faith that will get you. Come on, help me. It will help you to get through. And here's how we do that. Romans ten seventeen says this. And this is through faith. It says faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the by the word of God. Read it with me up there. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now I'm going to say something. This is strong, but I want you to get, okay, look at me, listen to me. You'll have no faith apart from God's word. You will have no faith apart from God's word. They say, oh good, I've got a Bible. It's not about having a Bible. It's about hearing God's words, about having God's words, about knowing God's words, about cracking the book for yourself. Because you're not going to have faith. Listen, I tell you all the time, I dress it up in all kinds of different ways to tell you, you've got to feed on the bread of life. You've got to, you've got, man does not live by bread alone. You've, it's, it's the words of God. That's what keeps us alive. That's what sustained us. You are going to have to find a way to get into the word. Well, I wish somebody would teach me. That's what I do every week. I've even done some series to help you to do that, to show you practical ways to get in there. We'll help you in any way we can get a promise book, get a concordance, talk to somebody who knows God and get some promises, get the word of God. What did God say about the situation? Cause you've got to have that in your life and it's got to be personal to you. 
that makes sense to you, that it applies to you, to your situation, so that you can have that brand of faith that will get you through. Now, the through faith that the disciples should have had, but did not have. The through faith that the disciples did not have, that Jesus asked them why you don't have it. They should have had it because of what he said. And he said, if you go back to verse 35, Jesus said this, let us cross over to the other side. Jesus, that's his language. He and the father one time said, let there be light. And what? Oh, let's make sure all you folks are. The father said, let there be light. And, and what? There was light. That's just the way God talks. And so Jesus says, let us go to the other side. Where are they going? Could there be storms? Hey, hey, for, forget a religion that somebody tries to put on you. Come to Jesus and there'll be no storms. Survey says. Okay. You've got to know that that goes with it. But, but here's the deal. He said, let us go to the other side. So where are they going? They're going to the other side. But the disciples missed his word. And so you don't have his word. You don't have faith. And so they panicked. And we, we saw everything that happened. What did Jesus do? He, he rested. Because he knew where they were going. He knew the potential for storms. And yet he rested. They missed his word. And they lack that through faith. I want to do something just real quick here. I want you, I want to think out loud in front of you here for a moment. What if we take this same passage and they get the word? What, what happens if Jesus said, let us go to the other side and all the disciples go, yeah, amen, yeah. And they get in the boat. Think out loud. Well, no, I'll think out loud. You, it could be very dangerous if we all think out loud. It's pretty risky me thinking out loud. Okay. So just bear with me. But he says, let's go to the other side. And they go, yeah. And they got that. They got, they got what he meant. They get faith in that. We're going to the other side and they know the potential of storms and the storm comes it's real possible, even though they got what he said, that a storm came. It's real, it's real possible that even though they got what he said, it's still windy and wet. It's even still real possible that because of the storm, they still woke Jesus. Haven't you done that before, so to speak? I know I have. It's like you want to wake him and go, I know you said this, but would you say it again? <laughs> We're in the right line, right? Right? It's, You said through, right? Not down. You said through, right? And faith comes by what? Hearing Hearing and hearing. It's like, tell me again, Jesus. Tell me again. It's, it's, It's even possible that Jesus would get up and say, guys, this is more than we can bear. I'm going to stop the storm. Because he's promised you, I will not let you go through more than you can bear. You're not going to have more than you can handle. And if the storm got bad enough, it's still possible, even though they had faith in heart, that Jesus would get up and say, cut it out and be still. It's still possible. The only real difference would be this, storm or no storm, is that you're never in the spot of thinking, we're going to be totally destroyed. I'm panicking. I'm fearful. Listen, you're either fearful or you're faithless. And if there's a storm, if there's no storm, if there's a big storm, if there's a little storm, if it's just a pending storm, 
We're right now in our world, there's so many pending storms. There's so much uncertainty. There's so many things like that. And it's not a day to be fearful. It's a day to be faithful, to be full of faith. And where am I going to get that? I'm going to get it from his word. God, what did you say? Follow me on this. God, what did you say about my family? What did you say about my marriage and my children and my health and my finances in my 2013? What did you say about that? And you're going to have to get that because, listen, if your faith is going to be powerful, it's going to have to be personal. We've gone through things before, health scares, situations, whatever before, where we literally have plastered our our kitchen and our bathroom, writing down scriptures that this is what God is saying to us. And it's on mirrors and on cabinets. You open up the refrigerator, it's taped to the milk. Because we needed to hear it. We needed to hear it. We needed to hear it. That's what we held on to. And it gave us faith to get us what? to get us through. And I'm happy to report to you that time after time and thing after thing and storm after storm and problem after problem, when you have that kind of faith, God will get you through. And it's not based, it's not based on how holy you are. It's not based on how strong you are, educated or anything else like that. It's based on this, that you take God at his word and you just believe him that he said, I'll get you through. Then you say, I, I believe you'll get me through. So in life, avoid all that you can. Be proactive in prayer. Walk in wisdom. Don't do dumb things. And avoid all the problems that you can. Endure what you have to. Have this through kind of faith. But by all means, do not go wordless. The enemy of your soul will do everything that he can to keep this book closed. Maybe you've got a new one of these for Christmas. It's got your name and a dove and a cross. You got gold on the sides, fancy ribbon, and you feel good. And that'll sink just like you'll sink. You got to open it up. And don't just read it, let it speak to you. And ask the Holy Spirit of God, I need a promise for this. I've got to have something to hold on to. What did you say about this? And seek that out in his word, in a promise book, uh, in services, a concordance. Find somebody who says they know God and they're happy and not crazy. Don't ask goofy people anything, okay? Don't even ask them what happened, you know? Anyway, keep going. But do you have a promise? And church, I'm going to finish with this. Do you have a promise? Do you have a word of God from God for your situation? for your symptoms, for your children, for your marriage, for your finances, for 2013. You're going to need to get that from God. Here's two of them, and I've already taken these, so you can't have these. No, it's for all of us. Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2. But now, thus says the Lord who created you. Did he create you? O Jacob, and he who formed you, he formed you, O Israel. Fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. And then in Psalm 23, verse 4, and I'll close with this. It says, yea, though I walk. Come on, yea, though I walk. What? through the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you know that's probably a little scary? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, 
they comfort me. If your faith is going to be powerful, it's got to be personal. And you're not going to have faith apart from God's word. You get God's word and it will, it will cause to rise up in you a brand of faith. It's called through faith. I don't know what storms are out there. Neither do you. We don't know if it's going to just be smooth sailing. We don't know if it's going to be mixed. We, we don't know. But what we do know is God has said in his word, we're going the other side. And he will get us through. And let's hook up with him in the best way, which is that through faith. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.